Welcome to this week's edition of the Better Rivals Podcast. My name is Oscar Aparicio, and this week, put on your all-whites, ladies and gents, because it is rivalry week. The 49ers head to Seattle for a critical divisional matchup. And with me this week, drinking all of the winter hazy IPAs he can find, it's David Newman. Hello. All-whites after Labor Day? Are we doing this? No, it's- yeah, it's it's official. It's, it's an all-white thing. You know, they're trying to capture the magic of that 2019 end of season win where Dre Greenlaw injured, not playing, uh, had a fantastic <laughs> goal line stand. Uh, and you know, D Ford, I'm sure had some pressure injured, injured reserve. Um, you know, it's going to be great. It's just like 2019 was the pressure he got with his ass on the bench. Oh, <laughs> man, coming in hot. Got to get you some more of those winter hazies, buddy. Well, let's go. <laughs> It's always oh, good man. when you get a nice, uh, you know, you get a, a pre-pod beer, right? You just yes. kind of get warmed up a little bit, and then you get number two during the pod. You were pre-gaming. Um, yeah. Good, a good pre-game tailgate. Um, well, it is, I mean, the Niners are officially in the thick of it, and you have now a Seattle team that is, they're they're not great. They're not great. Uh, they just lost to the Washington Heineke's 17-15. to 15. Which Heineke is just a fun name to say, like Tyler Heineke. And I like my operating theory currently is that Heineke is just a more athletic Garoppolo at this point. Um, And I'm not sure to go with like a uh, like a Heineken direction. Oh, no, I could have gone Heineken. That would be in my lane. That would absolutely be a joke I would make. Absolutely. This is how you know we've been doing this for a while together. <laughs> <laughs> You're channeling my jokes. Um, but they just lost to the, the Washington football team 17-15 to 15 after an illegal formation on an onside kick. 49ers legend Nick Ballore lined up incorrectly on the kickoff. And they recovered the onside kick. I was ready for the Seattle bullshit. I was ready for it. You know, another game they had no business winning that they're going to squeak out. Uh, and then they had to do it again. Uh, and it was, yeah, it, it, it didn't go well. But I mean, this is a Seahawks team that is reeling, reeling, absolutely reeling. And and the Niners are prized to really get a really good, important divisional win as long as they don't screw it up. Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, one of the rare games this season where it feels like going in to the game it feels like they absolutely should win this, right? Like uh, there, there haven't been a ton of them. We talked about it with Jacksonville, right? And, and this one has that feel. And this one's going to be uh, obviously more important because it's uh, an, an NFC game, right? I think the divisional aspect of it for this season and playoff picture and stuff like that is is probably a little less relevant. But the conference record could very well come into play as you start looking at, at tiebreakers and things like that for uh, either playoff seating or just to get into, you know, that, that final spot there. So yeah, I think absolutely going and and getting a win back against Seattle is going to be big for them. I mean, putting Seattle's derailment in context, they currently rank 25th in points per game, 21st in expected points added or EPA per play. This comes from shield Kapadia in three games since Russell Wilson has returned. The Seahawks have scored three touchdowns on 30 possessions that is remarkable that good like you that you have to try to be that bad (laughs) like it's not it's not good and this is and you can't put that on you know the the geno smith led seattle seahawks this is a seattle team with russell wilson back from injury it's been a long time since these two teams have faced off 
and it's felt like this disparate. And the Niners aren't, you know, in the elite of the NFC, NFC this year, but they are an ascending team. And Seattle is absolutely a descending team. And and I think the Niners really do have to capitalize on whatever ineptitude Seattle throws their way because the last time these two teams faced off, the Niners came out really dominating in the first quarter. They had 10 first downs in the first quarter. Seattle had nine plays, and yet they were still only able to amass a 7-0 lead, which evaporated at the end of the first half. And this was the game where Jimmy Garoppolo gets his foot or ankle stepped on and, and he's out for the second half, and then everything got derailed and the Niners lost a 28-21 game. The Niners have to capitalize on Seattle's defense because it's not good. Right. I, I mean, if they, they get those opportunities early, and that's what has kind of been the story right in this resurgence lately, is is they have been able to largely kind of jump on teams early or at least keep things uh, in a spot where they can kind of stick with the game script that they want, right? And they can lean heavily on the run game, which has been very successful. And I think last time, yeah, they just didn't take advantage of those opportunities. I mean, to have the kind of first quarter production that they had offensively and even like kind of lingering into the second or in in the second quarter, like um, it wasn't until like a little bit later in there that, that things really started to kind of fall apart for them. But uh, yeah, and, and only come away with seven points for that is, is rough. And, and that makes it to where your margin for error for the rest of the game is that much lower. Right. And, and so, because you know, you're unlikely to sustain that level of play that they had in, in the first quarter throughout the entire game. So as things kind of come back to earth, if you haven't banked some of those points already, like you're kind of in trouble and that's what happened with them. Right. And so I think we need to see, uh, yeah, the, the, not only the same sort of production and, and obviously the plan I think was good last time, but they need to, uh, you know, minimize the mistakes. You had a Garoppolo interception in there early that derailed the drive, uh, that probably should have produced points and, and then just not kind of finishing drives in other spots. Uh, they, they, they got to make changes in this one. Yeah, this is a team that really, you think of what they've done the last three weeks, and I wonder if this isn't the change-up week. Because normally when NFL teams watch films in season, they they watch the last four games, and they don't have all the time in the world to watch every single game. So generally they watch the last four games. Well, it's the last three games that the Niners have been running down people's throat, and they've done it with their outside zone toss. They've done it with basically the same runs. They get to those runs from different formations, but it is a set of the same runs. Do you think, David, that they're going to come out and, and open the game with, you know, 18-19-0 again, and it's that toss outside zone play, and Seattle's just ready for it? Or do you, do you think this is the game that they get the change up, that Shanahan says, we're going to now run off of those plays, and, and, and we're still going to run those plays. They're not going to be absent, but this is where you start to see more tendency breakers because we know that three weeks of tape is is going to be enough and Seattle's just going to load the box. They're going to try to stop that run. And and now all of a sudden you're kind of getting into a battle of running wheels with Pete Carroll. I don't know. I, I can see them. I mean, I, I don't know that they'll like necessarily, you know, underestimate Seattle by any chance because it's that divisional game and everything. But but it does feel like a game right where they might go in really thinking and believing that they are the superior team and, and that they can kind of just do what they want to do and they don't have to mix it up too much. And and I mean, Seattle's defense, like, look, their, their coverage unit has been terrible. And that's, this was true, uh, during the first matchup with these teams. Right. And, and they were able to take advantage of that a little bit early. Uh, and, and so I think, yeah, there are some opportunities to definitely throw on this team, but they haven't been good against the run either. So, I mean, uh, and, and I think right now you've kind of got that, 
uh, run game working, and and I don't really expect them to change up too much. I think I think they kind of always want to save something. You know, it seems like Shanahan's always trying to do that, and I think he he's going to put out like the minimum amount of shit that he needs to put out in order to win that game. I feel like is kind of his approach most of the time, and so I don't see them really like pulling out too many extra stops. I think they're going to still try to lean on the run game and and do what's been working for them these last few weeks and and try to just kind of keep that game script going. Yeah, that's that's an interesting choice because I do feel like if if the Seattle defense has a weakness it is really in in the passing game. You look at what they can do up front and you've got Al Woods who looks like he is a guy who's built to wear number 99 and also have the name Al Woods. He just <laughs> is huge. He's ginormous. And I feel like when you have that kind of a space eater in the middle of the field, Bobby Wagner doesn't have the speed to really carry the seam anymore. But if you're going to play him around the box and you're going to have him defend the run game, I feel like that's that leans into what he can still do at this point in his career. And he's still very good at diagnosing plays and chasing them down. I feel like that's almost playing into what little strength they have, playing Jamal Adams around the box. You know what I mean? Like that's that's where I think you feed into this Seattle team, whereas I think the Niners came out throwing in that first game because Shanahan saw that defense and said, this is where I have an advantage. I have an advantage throwing the ball. If I believe in my quarterback, if I believe in having Ayuk, and and at that point they had Debo, they don't have Debo this week. Um, you know, that is where the advantage is. Uh, you know, I wonder if this is if this is a game where if they're going to win, then this is, it's going to have to come down to Jimmy Garoppolo a little bit. Yeah, I, I mean, I think part of it, right, is going to be determined by how well the defense plays and and what Seattle's offense is able to do, and just kind of like what the the score differential is throughout this thing. Um, I, you know, I I think they would like to just stick with the run if they can. I like, I I think they feel like they kind of can that their running game is a strength against basically anyone is is kind of how I think they view it. And like, yeah, I think. We we did see them change their approach in terms of what has been typical for them in most games in terms of their opening uh, against Seattle last time and throwing the ball a lot more and and I would love to see them do that I just um, I don't know that they're going to get away from it too much right and and it is I think it'll be interesting to see too a lot of their success in the past game uh, against Seattle the first time before things kind of went off the rails was with the under center play action stuff, right? And we know that they've been going a little bit more uh, or a lot a bit more shotgun and and kind of going that direction with Jimmy in terms of the passing game. And so, yeah, I, I wonder if they go back to a little bit more of the typical under center play action stuff that we've expected because that was a lot of what was really successful against the, the Seattle pass defense last time is they were just able to create all of that space that they do in the middle of the field by getting those linebackers up on the play action uh, and and just kind of like throwing those in breakers right in between the numbers over and over again. Yeah. And I think when you look at, and we've talked about this matchup before, but Jordan Brooks against George Kittle is, is not a plus matchup. Jordan Brooks is not good in coverage. If that's, that's the person you're going to target, if you're going to target someone. Um, but at this point, I mean, you may, you may be able to target just about everyone. Um, like DJ Reed might be their best corner and while, yes, I would much rather he be on the 49ers right now, um, he's not exactly like a world-beater corner at this point. Um, and so I think Ayuk, Jennings, um, you know, I think Ayuk is basically a must-start at this point. Like, I'm, I'm going to start him in daily fantasy, is what I'm saying. Uh, that's, that's where we're at with Brandon Ayuk. Uh, and I hardly ever start Niners in daily fantasy. But I'm going to start Brandon Ayuk in daily fantasy. 
Uh, when you look at the the Seattle Seahawks EPA uh, allowed on the ground over the over the course of the year, it's it's actually like not terrible. Um, it's 15th in the NFL. Um, and when you look at just the last few weeks, um, it gets you know, a little worse, uh, or actually a, a little better. I'm sorry. Uh, it's actually 10th overall. Um, the negative throws me off there. So they've been playing better in the run game the last couple of weeks. I feel like the, the Niners, man, they're going to have to throw if they're going to want to win. Um, and it, it was successful early in the first time they played. I'd be curious to see if, if that's what Shanahan goes to uh, in terms of the well. Now, on the other side of the football, Pete Carroll, we know he likes to run the ball. Um, and it, I'm curious if he's going to get his ground game fever dream. If this game's just going to end in like an hour and 45 minutes <laughs> and, and both teams are just going to run into each other over and over and over again, um, because the Niners linebacker situation isn't pretty. You got Drake Greenlaw, who's re-injured himself. Fred Warner has a hamstring injury. Marcel Harris is in the concussion protocol. Um, and that leaves Aziz Alshire and Demetrius Flanagan Fowles. Um, and Flanagan Fowles has 180, 167 career snaps he's basically a special teams guy um at this point those are the only linebackers you got until you promote someone from the practice squad and and if you're facing a team that basically try wants to try to run it down your throat um that's that's dubious uh, as a part of your front seven not great uh it's not not a great situation at linebacker right now yeah i i, I think um what they're going to have to do is is play with more more safeties on the field more dps right um, which makes sense because I mean, Seattle, like, like most teams is predominantly a one back team, you know, 11 personnel about two thirds of the time. Most of those other plays are in 12 personnel. So still only the one back on the field, right. Adding an extra tight end. Um, and, and I think they can get away with even doing some three safety stuff against that. Uh, and that's the bulk of what, I mean, that, that accounts for like over 90% of Seattle's uh snaps a season in in those one back sets so yeah i i think you're gonna see a lot of stuff with uh hufanga out there and and pairing him with ward and tart right and and getting more safeties on the field is gonna be what they have to do because yeah linebacker is just dire like it's it's not a great situation uh the the guys that they have healthy aren't all that great uh and, and so yeah it's gonna be definitely something to watch in this one Talano Hufang has been getting a lot more snaps recently, but his, and while he looks, uh, I call him a high frequency player. He vibrates a lot, moves around a lot, looks like he's pumping his legs very, very quickly um, and may not be moving all that fast, but it's just an optical illusion. You know, like his hair is going crazy, right? He's in a head and shoulders commercial all the yep. time. Um, but in coverage, he's not been that great. Like he's got, he, he, he just, he, he is missing coverages. He's taking false steps. Um, he's going to the wrong place. And yeah, he makes some high-profile plays, especially when he plays around the line of scrimmage. And so if if the Niners are going to play with an extra safety, it, it may be, hopefully, with Hufanga around the line of scrimmage. And and I remember when he was drafted, the Niners thought, you know, if he doesn't convert to safety, maybe he just ends up being a linebacker, um, which he seems, you know, kind of undersized for a linebacker. But now I think linebackers can get away with being a lot smaller, just based the way the NFL is. Um, so, so I think that will be interesting to see if they end up, if we end up seeing just, uh, more of Hufanga on the field because of the absence of linebackers, just basically in three safety looks. I, I mean, I, I think it makes sense. He, he needs to be around the line of scrimmage. He's somebody 
that likes to to have it in front of him, right? He likes to see what's what's going on. If you ask him to uh, to kind of open up and run and turn in coverage, that's when things get pretty dicey and and you see some of his uh, worst plays. But if if you can uh, keep things in front of him and and allow him to kind of play downhill and just sort of react and and kind of close on the ball carrier, right? Like that's where he's at its best. Um, and, and so, yeah, I, I think having him around there uh, in those, I think you can do, and, and they've done this a little bit. Like if you, if you have him play as a super deep safety, then technically everything's in front of him. Uh, and, and so they'll do this on like some third downs and stuff that they've, they've tried where they like to bring Jimmy Ward in general in those situations up uh, because they play a lot of man coverage, play a lot of cover one right on, on these third downs. And so they like Jimmy Ward's coverage ability in those situations. And so often you'll see him kind of move down, match up with a tight end or, or a slot receiver or something like that. And then you get Tart kind of, you know, being a deeper guy or maybe being the the kind of robber or like whole player in the middle. And then they'll get Hufunga just way the fuck back there and like just let him get Greg Williams would love him. Yeah, exactly. Like get 25 yards deep at the snap. And then technically, like I said, everything's kind of in front of him there and, and he can come downhill and and you hope that you don't have too much uh, uh, of a disaster there. Uh, at least he's not going to be matched up in kind of one-on-one coverage in that role which i i think is big he's he doesn't have like cover ability um to to match up with guys individually but the niners defense is gonna have to have they're gonna have to be ready because even against washington seattle still had a deep shot or two in their arsenal i mean they're, they're, russell wilson is just too good to not to be denied on the deep ball especially with tyler lockett um it, his big time throw rate is still great like it's yeah. still like i think top five or just maybe maybe just a shade outside of top five like it's still very good yeah and, and so the niners defense will have to withstand a blow from seattle at some point like that this isn't going to be just i think an easy cakewalk and these games are always so wild they're always so crazy something is going to go off the rails in this game but the niners need to be able to withstand that by amassing enough of a lead where they can just let Seattle flail and have that not be that big of a deal. Um, because DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett is going to get some kind of, you know, deep reception. Someone's going to bounce off of DK Metcalf because he's just built like that. You, I mean, he he's basically the walking I'm built different meme um, where he's like cracking eggs in his bicep like all of the time. Um, Pretty much. Yeah, and and Gerald Everett's going to catch, you know, some touchdown. Russell Wilson's going to sneak out for a surprise first down on third and long. Like, these things are going to happen. But when you're up 14, 17 points, when you don't have your punter trying to attempt 41-yard field goals, um, you know, this is going to feel hopefully a little bit different. The Niners are three to three-and-a-half-point favorites. Um, I think we're both in the camp that the Niners should win this game. Do you think they cover? Yeah, I mean, I think if they win, yes, it's it's got to be right. I, I like I think they either win fairly comfortably and and it goes kind of more how we expect or, they or things are just batshit crazy and, and they they lose. Yeah, I, I don't see like this coming down to a, a Robbie Gold field goal to win it at the end. Right. Like, I, I just don't see a tight game that they end up pulling out like either this is going to go how it should go, which is the 49ers are a better team. They go in there. It's much like the the previous few games that we've seen here and, uh, and things are great or yeah, things just kind of fall apart because Seattle's doing Seattle things. And, and this is one of those fucking games yeah. and, and they lose. 
This matchup, though, is an interesting one because it has two coaches who love the running game, who are uh, espoused evangelists of the running game. And earlier this week, friend of the pod, Dr. Eric Eager, uh, I feel like we should just start calling him doctor at this point. Um, I think he hates that, but whatever. <laughs> Dr. Eager. <laughs> Even uh, more reason he, to do it. I know. Um, he he posted an article where he looked at the value of perfectly blocked runs and passes. And I thought it was a really interesting article and a really interesting examination of why, perhaps, NFL coaches still lust after the run game, even though in today's NFL, it's been shown to be less effective and less valuable than the passing game. And if you haven't read the article, I would highly recommend that you go read it. It's on pff.com. I think this one does require a premium subscription though. So if you don't have one of those, um, we'll give you the Cliff's Notes or Spark Notes if you're uh, a little younger um, or whatever notes college kids are using nowadays. Um, the, the basic thesis of the article is that effectively, and he, he looks at a bunch of data, I think from 27 to, uh, 2017 to 2020, which is the data set that he looked at and into the early games of 2021. Uh, and basically, he finds that a perfectly blocked run game or a, a perfectly blocked run is one of the best plays in football. But perfectly blocked runs are relatively uncommon. And if you have just one missed block, it effectively torpedoes the run. The probability of that run failing is much, much higher if everyone doesn't do their job. Now, in the passing game, an imperfectly blocked pass play isn't as detrimental. A, effectively, a quarterback can overcome some of the missed blocks or things that the offensive line doesn't do well. And we kind of know this. We, we intuit it. When a quarterback gets the ball out really, really quickly, that overcomes when an offensive line it gets beat on a block. Um, you know, when, when a wide receiver makes a good catch, when they make a good throw, um, all of those things, you know, it's like, yes, they can absolutely hurt a pass play, but it's not hurt as much as a missed block in the run game. And so... The, the conclusion of the article is that head coaches are essentially chasing the predictable results of a successful run because they are good results and it's predictable. Everyone does their job. You get good results. Uh, and basically saying other failures be damned. It doesn't matter that this only happens, you know, one out of every, you know, three out of every 10 plays or whatever. It's those three times that it happens that I'm chasing. Um, and that's why coaches are, are chasing the run game. And I thought it was really interesting, especially with the 49ers recent resurgence, because due to both skill and scheme, the Niners are really good at blocking up runs. They have the third best PFF run block grade. They're top five this season and perfectly block runs at 40.5%. And they have three games of the last eight or nine with positive EPA in the run game this season, which is really, really difficult to do. And it's really fueled their resurgence. They are effectively the poster child of when you get a perfectly blocked run, when everyone does their job, you can get, you can dominate teams. And, and that is what's fueling their run. And it really is kind of the case in point. The, the question is, you know, how, how thin that razor's edge is and how long they can sustain it. I, I think the sustainability is like the big thing, right? And, and that's something we've talked about, right? It's similar to, uh, kind of the long drives and stuff, right? I, I think even if you're better than most teams at being able to do that stuff, it's still not as reliable as a consistent passing attack, right? And, and so I think that's what it comes down to. And yeah, I think the 
the mindset stuff is is interesting i think like yes a perfectly blocked running play can kind of be this thing of beauty and i'm sure shannon i mean with all of the work that shanahan and and the 49ers put into scheming up the run game right everything as far as the the motions and all the pre-snap stuff that they like to do uh everything just kind of getting uh the the optimal angles for these blocks set up right and just kind of like focusing on every tiny little piece of the run game is is why they are as effective as they are there when when things are kind of rolling well um and so yeah i think he absolutely loves it i think there's a lot of like just generally the coaches kind of have this old school mindset. I mean, I remember like uh, my coach in high school used to say stupid shit like uh, there there's four things that can happen on a pass play and three of them are bad. Right. And, and I think like that's kind of what a lot of coaches think. Right. It, is like, yes, there's more variance on these pass plays. Like if it works, sure, it's great. And and I'm I'm not gonna deny that it's better than you know most of the successful run plays, but I've got these incomplete passes to worry about. I've got my pass protection and these sacks to worry about that are negative plays. And then you know I've got these interceptions uh, that that can pop up from time to time too and, and give the other team the ball back. And so I think there's just a lot more risk aversion from from coaches in, in in terms of their willingness to kind of lean full tilt into the passing game. It's so interesting that you mentioned variance because I feel like it is it is the coaches that embrace variance that end up succeeding. It, it at least those are the coaches that we that we say succeed in today's NFL. I think fourth down decision making is an example of accepting variance where yeah, you might miss one and it might feel like it hurts but on balance over the course of a game or a season if you go for more fourth downs, you're going to generally win more games when you do that in, in, in a smart way, when you're not going for it on like fourth and eight at your 10-yard line, right? But you're going for fourth and two on, you know, the plus 45 or something like that. Um, that It's that variance that ends up winning you more games overall on balance. And that's effectively what the passing game is. It's embracing some of that variance, which is reduced when you have a great quarterback, like that, that variance begins to be a little bit less when you've got Tom Brady, when you've got Aaron Rodgers. Um, but it is, it's interesting to think that coaches are willing to just, just kind of throw variance to the wind and like, no, I don't want things to be varied. I want to control everything. I want to orchestrate everything. And that might end up causing them to lose edges when ultimately the NFL is all about gaining edges. Um, and, and it's those thin margins and it's the, seven points that you're losing against or it's the one score games you know sometimes those decision make those decisions are what get you the one score which end up winning you the game i mean the run game too and i think this like the the article really illustrates this right when you look at kind of the data for just what even one bad block does to it like with the run game you're, you're kind of chasing this perfection right and like when you achieve that perfection it's great and and like you get some great plays it looks nice like Everything feels good. Everybody did their job on the play, which is awesome. Um, but if just one guy fucks up, like that play's tanked. You know, it, it, it's going to be like you, you see it all the time where you can have on your offensive line, four of the five guys have excellent blocks and one dude gets blown up and that's the guy that makes a tackle for, you know, no gain or for loss or, or whatever it is. Um, and, and so I think when you look at the passing game, right, like there's just so many other ways to overcome the mistake of one player. Like you don't have to be perfect in order to get a successful play. 
Well, we saw it uh, just in this last week's game, right? On the Patreon video, we broke down a play where the the 49ers basically outgapped the Minnesota Vikings just based on everything that happens. And one offensive lineman basically gets the defender to cross his face and get into another gap. And all of a sudden, they're able to stop what is likely going to be a, a long run. And I think it ends up just getting just a few yards, maybe two or three, um, just because, you know, they, they took one guy, one block, um, and, and it effectively made that run ineffective compared to what it could have done if that individual player just made the block. And I actually think it was uh, Lincoln Tomlinson, right? It was left guard. It was crashing down. Um, so, so yeah, I think that that, that part's interesting. Now there's, there's also this thread that's been happening as a result of the response to this article, which is talking about the, the physical mindset and the physical nature of the game. And, and I did think that Brandon Staley had one of the best articulations of why running the, the football is still important in, in the NFL. And he talks about just forcing physicality, how in, in the NFL and, and incidentally, I don't think anyone is advocating that you should never, ever run the ball. Yeah. Right. It's just that you should run the ball less, that your optimal play is the pass and the run game is in service of the pass, not the other way around. Um, and, and so what Brandon Staley says is that, you know, it forces physicality. It forces them to gap up. It forces them to play in a way and think about things that would be absent if you pass 100% of the time. And, and I think Mitchell Schwartz echoed some of that same um, mentality in, in a kind of an array of tweets talking about how, you know, offensive line loves it. And, and like, that's how you wear defenses down. And, and I think that that sounds true and it sounds nice, but those are the kinds of things that you should be able to measure. And if a team runs early and runs often, you should see the effect of that defense getting worse over time. And that hasn't happened. That's not proven out. That doesn't, it's like they don't actually get appreciably worse at doing these things. It's just that like you, you run the ball and you can eat up clock and you can do lots of other things. And it doesn't matter that the plays become ineffective later in the game because really your goal is running down clock. And so, you know, it, it just, it, it's one of those things where I do think that there is definitely a physicality and a mental aspect to it. But at the end of the day, the point is scoring points and winning the game. And while the run game can help with that, uh, and when one gets blocked up perfectly, it's really, really good. Uh, your passing game is still king. Yeah, yeah. I, I think like the the mental part is is certainly uh, you know an aspect here that you shouldn't just dismiss, right? Like I I think what players are feeling in these situations uh, is something that that matters, and right, you should validate that. Like they, they, nobody's telling players that they're crazy that that like this effect seems to be happening on the field, right? But I, I think the point, yeah, that you made about. Um, we should be able to see ultimately results with that, right? If you're actually wearing down a defense, um, you should see the results of that, of them playing more poorly as the game goes on, right? Like it, it should just uh, find its way into the data because, you know, you're you're continuing to do these things and then you're being more successful as a result. Um, and so I think it's the same idea kind of as like the momentum stuff, right? Like, yeah, it might feel, and, and you get that as a fan too, right? Like as things are going, like it, man, it feels like one team's kind of got things going, but when you actually kind of step back and look at it, it's like, well, yeah, it, maybe it looked like it, they, they had it there, but then explain this one thing where they just suddenly it flips the other way. Like how did that happen? Right? So it's, it's like what they're feeling doesn't necessarily mean that, that those feelings are true or accurate or have any bearing on the outcome of the game. 
Yeah, I think Ben Baldwin had a really good tweet earlier. Uh, it was today or yesterday, and he said, we should take players at their word about how certain facets of the game make them feel. We should not take them at their word about the extent to which this translates to something measurable like wins and losses. Yes, um, perfect. And yeah, yeah. And that's, I mean, it's, and I think it's a really succinct way of saying it. Um, but I, but it, it is interesting to, to know, though, that the, and this is the part I think that was the most surprising to me about the article is that a perfectly blocked run play is generally more valuable based on EPA per play than a pass play. The problem is, it just doesn't happen that often. Um, and so, when you look at like the the success, or when you look at the EPA per play of a, of a perfectly blocked run play, it's like it's the most valuable play in football. Um, and that I thought was really interesting um, because it's like, yeah, you're you're chasing that dopamine hit. Basically, you're chasing that like <laughs> I want it to go perfectly. You're chasing the Raheem Moster, you know, outside zone, hit that lane, three step upfield, and break and run. You know, and like you're you're chasing that over and over and over again. And, and it's basically you're a drug addict, right? Like the, the, these like run game coaches are like, they're run game, run game. You're a drug addict. You're chasing that one dopamine hit and you're never, you're chasing the party dragon. You're never going to get it again when, you know, over here, this guy's like, you know, I'm just over here dinking and dunking and I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to, I'm, you know, I'm going to do this all day and I'm going to get just as much, um, you know, but you're, you're over here chasing the party dragon. It's just, it, it's interesting. Just the psychology of it all. Well, I think it speaks to uh, also like where the offensive line has its most significant impact, right? I, I think there's no question that the running game and your success there is is far more predicated on what your offensive line is doing. If you don't block it up well, the running back never has a chance, right? And it doesn't matter how skilled or talented that player is. If he doesn't have a chance to like get beyond the line of scrimmage and get into some space and, and be able to use his skills, uh, the, the play is not going anywhere. Whereas I think right in the passing game, uh, yes, it's important. You don't want to be, you know, terrible there. Obviously, you don't want to have one uh, massive weak link that's consistently getting beat. But the quarterback right is is far more important there i think if you looked at like right the uh the the, the epa on positively graded throws for a quarterback versus negatively graded throws right that difference is going to be fucking huge um it, because it's it's just like so much more of it your success on on passing attempts comes down to what the quarterback does and and how his play is and so uh yeah i i think like it makes sense you know to lean maybe a bit more in, into the run game in some situations when you don't have a quarterback that can overcome some of those deficiencies you know i think that's an interesting way uh, argument potentially but the offensive line and, and what this article is kind of more focused on yeah i think is is a much bigger factor in the run game and so to to bring it home as we as I'm thinking about the Seattle game, I think that's the part that worries me the most. It's not it's not Seattle as a team right now. It's not the the dysfunction that they're in. It's that even though it seems like Seattle is imploding and the Niners are on the upswing, when it comes down to it, Russell Wilson is still Russell Wilson. And and they're still going to have to face a good quarterback with a quarterback that you know, against Seattle, he threw an interception. Against Minnesota, he threw a boneheaded interception. Um, that you know still has a penchant for doing some of those things. And so, like, if the run game doesn't work and doesn't click, this could get messy. And, then, and I basically live in fear of that happening all of the time. That's right. Like, that's the thing is, is it just like the running game? you can't rely on it as consistently as a good passing game, right? If you have a good running game, good passing game, 
the good running game is going to be shut down or have problems more frequently than that good passing attack is. And yeah, I think when you look at at the quarterback matchup, it's always going to be a little scary because I mean, Russell Wilson's having uh, the worst graded season of his career and he's still just as good as Jimmy Garoppolo has been this year. Like, yeah, it, it, it and you know, he's still perfectly capable. He's had a couple games this year where things have come together and he has played uh, quite a bit better. And, and so if this happens to be one of those games and and you get a bad Jimmy game, right, like that's that can be enough to kind of swing this from a game that the Fortnite's absolutely should win to one that that they uh, are finding themselves wanting at the end. Well, we'll see this weekend if the Niners are going to continue their stranglehold on the wild card seed, the, the real wild card seed, not the the we gave you one because we felt bad for the seventh team in the conference, but like the real wild card. How seed. long until oh. they just undo this and be like, uh, our bad guys, never. like never. never. It's no, the money. The, it's, yeah, it's a money right. grab. It's always right. a money grab. They don't care if the game is any good. They don't care if the team's any good. They just care whether or not they're getting paid monies and whether they're getting ratings. Come on, man. You know how this goes. Oh, anyway. Um, well, we'll see. We'll see. We'll be here to talk about it on Sunday. Uh, when's our live stream go again? 730? Uh, this is, uh, yeah, an afternoon slate game. So, yeah, it should be like, yeah, 730 or so. Yeah. All right. Join us. 730 Central, 530 Pacific. Um, if the Carol and Shanahan have their way, maybe we'll do it at 630. Yeah, let's go. Like you said, hour 45 earlier, and I was like, oh, my God, the fucking dream. Let's go. <laughs> Just doing parents a solid. Just <laughs> right in there, sneaking it, sneaking the soccer, game in before it, bedtime. That's why soccer is perfect. You get, you know, 90 minutes, give or take a, a few added on at the end there. You get a tight, what, like 20-minute halftime? Like, oh, perfect. Man. That's what the, I need. The midweek Premier League games have been rough because oh. now I like I want to watch them. And and so I'll get text updates from you. And I'm in the middle of a work meeting and I'm like, I don't have the brain space to think about Loftus Cheek fucking up right now. Um <laughs> it's like it's just, it's Look, just like I'm, <laughs> the Chelsea what I'm trying to say is the Chelsea midfield combination in this last game was fucking problematic. It was not yeah. good. Um I love, I mean, obviously we're in very different situations in terms of the day-to-day, uh, but the midweek Premier League games, I'm Oh, so are you kidding me? If I, I was hanging it. out I with my daughter it. midday, I would just, I like, I actually have to think about turning the TV off a little bit because like at this point, <laughs> my daughter will grab the Apple TV remote and start pointing it at the television and clicking <laughs> and then she'll, and then she'll give it to me and she's like, make it work. Like, do the fuck, do the thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know it's little, little sponges little sponges they are well uh all right that does it for this week's edition of the better rivals podcast david tell them about the patreon the people who are staring at our ugly mugs live right now if you would like to be one of those people patreon.com slash better rivals head there buy us a beer you get the live streams you get the video on demand if if you can't make it for the live stream for whatever reason which is totally fine you get the weekly video breakdowns um, you know, it's late in the season. We're starting to mix it up a little bit. Sometimes it's, uh, you know, from the previous game. Sometimes we're going to look ahead. You know, who knows what we'll feel like over the final month and a half of the season. Sometimes gonna be... we'll watch some Trevor Lawrence just to yeah. see contextually what a first-round quarterback looks like when they actually play. I can already tell you that I'm going to want to look at some some Joe Burrow and some Jamar Chase for this next coming uh, game here against Cincinnati. Yeah. So, yeah, Spoiler alert. That might, yeah. that might be our next Patreon video. Probably going to be it. <laughs> 
and, and so yeah come do that you get the discord you can hang out uh, with the, the better rivals community there um, and chat with us occasionally more Oscar than me which is pretty typical of any avenue that we offer uh, and so yeah go go do that thing buy us a beer <laughs> thanks again for tuning in and as always go Niners <laughs> <laughs>